All right. So first and foremost, I know there has been a shortage of Christmas themed content, whether it be reviews, commentary, best of list, worst of list, um, you know, didn't get around to the Home Alones, at least not yet. You know, we have not gotten fully finished with the holiday season. Christmas is in a couple days. But, you know, I know I haven't gotten around to the Home Alones and the Christmas vacations and, you know, the shitty Silent Night, Deadly Night sequels and so on and so forth. Um, I actually did watch, um, you know, to, to, to keep it a beam with y'all real quick. I did watch, uh, what is it, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. I have to finish that movie. But it is basically everything everybody's saying it is as far as Terminator meets Silent Night. Um, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know, for all you fanatics out there, Silent Night was the 2013 remake. And I know there's a lot of purists out there that love the original. I prefer the remake. But that's basically what it is. You know, uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas was I was actually entertained by it. But it it kind of started losing me as the robotic killer Santa Claus that just malfunctioned, you know, as he went on a murder spree in the house or something like that. I don't know. I got to go back and watch it. But it wasn't a bad watch. Is it one of those Christmas horror movies that I will put on my list like as a must watch every holiday season? I'm not sure yet. I got to go back and watch it in its entirety and, um, you know, make my assessment from there. But I say all that to say this, people, while I am fucking up with consistency with the holiday themed content, we got a hell of a treat, man. Peacock is not like Peacock is winning right now, man. I feel like Peacock, as far as streaming services go, they have had my heart since they streamed Halloween Kills. Now, first of all, I, I gotta love Halloween Kills because that is still my most listened to episode. I believe it's my Halloween Kills review, and then the com then toxic commentaries are uh, uh, doing numbers still. Those are pretty high up on the top episodes. So I gotta love that movie. Always got to shout out my boy Michael because he's very highly favored on the podcast. Um, but I got I gotta shout out Peacock man because they're they're doing it, man. They are doing it right now, and one of the things that they did. They brought back, not only did they, but I got to give credit to, you know, the creators here, but I got to shout out Peacock first because they brought back in the form of an eight episode series. They brought back some of my favorite characters of all time, a property that is so near and dear to my heart. I did commentary for the first movie if y'all want to check it out. But, you know, shout out to Peacock and shout out to Malcolm D. Lee, who wrote and directed the previous two movies and this series. And shout out to Dana Lynn North, who uh, developed this for TV as a series. They have given us for the holiday season, man, just in time for the holidays. They gave us the best man, the final chapters. Now, I've been waiting on this movie. First and foremost, let's let's go back to the beginning. You know, I, I promise I'm not going to take up too much of y'all time. I'll try to keep this maybe like 30 minutes long. I don't know. I feel like I just jinxed myself by putting the time frame on it. Maybe we'll be here for an hour. I don't know. But um. Y'all bear with me, man. But let's go back to like 1999 when when Malcolm D. Lee introduced us to, you know, the characters of Harper and Lance and Mia and Jordan. You know, he assembled hands down one of the best casts I've ever seen in black cinema. This is some of the classiest casting, just top notch. Everybody on their A game, everybody creating these characters that you that you love love to hate, hate in certain moments and love again. They take you through the motions, man. Morris Chestnut, Tay Diggs, Regina Hall, Melissa DeSosa, Terrence Howard, Sanaa Lathan, you know, Harold Perrinall. Everybody that is, is, is casted here is fucking A1, man. It is black excellence up and down the board. And I cannot be more proud that we, we get a chance to 
you know, close this chapter in the form of of, of an eight episode series, man. I feel like if they if they would have given us a third movie, <coughs> excuse me, which I thought they were going to do. Um, I would have watched it. I would have sat through two and a half to three hours of that, uh, you know, if that was the swan song. But our swan song, we got eight episodes to rock out with these characters one more time to to stretch this story out. And, you know, to la- we got eight more episodes to to laugh, to cry, you know, to to be shocked and just taken aback and relate and, you know, debate. I, I love what this this series has done over the years, man. And. 1999 who would have known that we'd be here in 2022 still talking about the relevancy of you know of um you know something like the best man it could have easily been a one-off but i feel like everybody was so attached to the the characters and the story they wanted to see what was next and um i like listen 1999 i remember seeing that movie i remember loving the soundtrack um black thought is actually in that opening song I, i think it's called what you want and I'm pretty sure that's Black Thought. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But the soundtrack was on point. The casting was on point. The story, like, I was like, oh, my God, is he going to fuck Jordan? How, how can he do that when he's married to Sanaa Lathan? Oh, shit, he slept with, you know, Mia back in the day. Like, I, I love this series, man. And I'm so attached to these characters, so much so that I felt like I was going through everything that they were going through with them in that first movie. And then the second movie, I, I believe it came out in 2013, The Best Man Holiday. They, I, I had no idea that that movie would be as good as it was. Of course, I was excited for it. I, like I said, I was attached to the characters, attached to the story. I wanted to see the story progress in advance. And by the time the movie was over, I I, I was an emotional wreck, man. I'm not going to hold y'all. I'm going to keep it being with y'all like I always do. That was one of those movies that definitely got me. I, I definitely cried watching The Best Man Holiday. It wasn't so much the fact that, you know, I, I was really sad when Monica Calhoun's character, Mia, was uh, when we found out she was sick. She had cancer. She was dying. And the movie is a lot sadder than the uh, than the first one. The stakes are a lot higher. The tone is, I'm not going to say the tone is a lot darker, but just the fact that one of these beloved characters that we become attached to or or not um, is 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 perishing right before our very eyes, man. And a lot of us out there have, you know, we have seen people sick from cancer or seen people sick from other illnesses and things like that. And just to see her wind down as the movie went on, it, it, it took a toll not on the film, but just took a toll on the audiences, man. Me personally, like I said, the funeral scene, I believe it was Anthony Hamilton and Marsha Ambrosia. Um, they sing always, I think it's always the the song by Stevie Wonder. Y'all, y'all correct me all up and down the board, you know, as y'all do, if I'm wrong here, but the, uh, the the Stevie Wonder song, they did a really great cover for it. It's very sad. The funeral scene for Mia, but, um, I like what really got me was the, the, um, the burial scene, the burial scene where Lance is the only one at that casket. And then he's making a fist and then you kind of get this close up shot of his fist like weakening as the casket is lower into the ground. That is some of the realest shit I've ever seen in cinema because it is such a, you know, I've been to my fair share of funerals and that is the it moment. That's when it's really finally over. And that is the moment where people get weak and people break down. And for everything that Harper and and, um, Lance went through, you know, Lance almost killed this motherfucker for sleeping with his wife when he, when he read the book Unfinished Business in the first one. But for them to go through everything they went through for Harper to be there for his friend and to embrace him as he's just breaking down saying she can't go she can't go that was one of the most that was one of the saddest but most beautiful moments i've ever seen on film man and that is one of the things that 
makes these these movies so pure it makes these movies so um you know so relatable it just tugs at the fucking heartstrings man but then of course you know you got that ending where um terrence howard's character quentin he he calls up harper and he's like harp i'm getting married but you better not have fucked her and one of the things i always thought i remember when this movie was just the best man wedding you know on imdb and with only a few cast members attached and malcolm d lee attached to it um there was very little information about the movie but i remember when that movie ended i said oh Quentin and Shelby gotta get married. They have to get married because they were the ones that couldn't stand each other. It's kind of weird that he, you know, was fucking with Merch's girl after they broke up, but <clears throat> that's just Quentin. That's just Shelby. Merch was in love with um with Candy. It was love at first sight for him, anyhow. But um, as weird as it was, I was like, oh, Shelby and Quentin gotta get married. It seems like you know Shelby's kids might be Quentin's kid, or Shelby's daughter might be Quentin's daughter. And, you know, the way that they argue back and forth around around Shelby's daughter in the second movie, I was like, yo, this could he could she could really be his illegitimate child. Like they argue on like an old, an old married couple. So I would actually buy that. But but that is not the case here, people. Now, mind y'all, I'm only one episode in. So I told myself, you know, do I want to do commentary for this? I said, no, I want to space out and watch it. And then I watched it a second time. I said, nope, I want to space out again, get my notes together just to do a little small recap episode. But this shit, man, we are coming in swinging. Or should I say they are coming in swinging in episode one. And it takes you right back into these characters' worlds. And it pulls you right back into the emotional stakes and right back into the laughter. And you know the drama's coming. This shit is firing on all cylinders and by the time it was over i was like oh shit there's seven more episodes to go with these characters man i love it you've got everybody back you know morris chestnut's back as lance melissa de sosa's back as shelby regina hall as candace terrence howard as quentin sanalith and as robin nia long as jordan you know uh, harold paranon Tay Diggs is Julian and Harper. Now we do have a new addition to this cast here, and that is Nicole Irie Parker. And that easily could have bothered me because I'm one of those people when I start to see all the same actors, like black actors in in these black movies, sometimes it, it's it's a pain in the ass because it's like, okay, which movie's which, and how are we going to differentiate these other than the other than the titles? But um, I feel like Nicole Irie Parker. She she compliments the character so far. She compliments the character of, of Quentin, you know, Terrence Howard so well, man. And that's the one that he's getting married to. We'll get to her in a second. But when we start off with this with this first episode, we get this montage of, you know, we, they basically are briefing everybody that may have forgotten what happened in the last two movies or anybody that hasn't seen it. I, and listen, if you have not seen The Best Man and The Best Man Holiday, I highly recommend you do before going into this series because there is going to be a ton of shit that you are just not going to be able to follow and keep up with. Um, this is a this is a well-oiled story and rightfully so. So I definitely recommend you watch the previous two movies before jumping into the series. You've got a lot of time man. I don't think this series is going anywhere um, on Peacock. It's pr I hope that this is a hit and I hope people love it because I'm loving it so far. Just one episode in. I might binge the rest of the shit tonight. But um you know, you get this previously on the best man type of thing and they brief you on everything that, I, you know, that I feel like is necessary for you to be briefed on. Um, like I said, you got to go back and watch the movies if you want all of those uh, tidbits and spades. But, you know, they give you a montage of the, the important moments and the important dialogue from the last two movies. 
And, um, you know, nine years later, like here we have, uh, I mean, it's nine years later as far as filming goes. I'm not sure how much time has passed in, uh, in the timeline of the actual movie, but, um, you know, we start with Harper and Harper is the, like Harper, I always wanted to admire this character. I'm a sucker for characters that are writers in movies, particularly black characters. It's way more relatable for me, you know, being a black man. And I feel like Harper is that guy who I want to, I want to root for you, brother. I do 200%, but Harper stay fucking up. Nobody told this nigga to air his dirty laundry in that unfinished business book. in the first one got him into some shit. Then he went on his little iPad or his tablet and started, you know, crafting this God family football, you know, biopic shit for Lance behind his back. Almost got him fucked up on the front steps of that church or wherever they were having that little function at. The only reason Lance didn't fuck him up in that second movie is because Mia was sick. He didn't want to upset his wife. But he did break his tablet at some point in that scene. And rightfully so, because Harper's thing fucking up. Like this, you can't be fresh out of that much original material that you have to capitalize on the drama and just the anguish of, of your friends, man. Your personal friends, your childhood teenage friends that you've known forever. That's how you break bonds with people, man. Now, don't get me wrong. There was a point in time where I wanted to not necessarily write my memoirs or anything like that, but I wanted to write something loosely based on uh, a good portion of my wild years with some wild folks. And I said, no, because I I don't want the death threats. I don't want to lose certain friendships. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take the chance of doing that because I'm because granted, Everybody would know who their characters are no matter how I change it around. That's how I wanted the story to be, the way things play out. We're not even going to talk about that. I'm not about to harp Stewart my shit on, you know, on my platform and sabotage my shit. I'm not doing that. But Harper is that guy who I want to root for so bad, but I'm always looking at him at the, out the corner of my eye when I'm watching these movies like, it's like all right, man, don't do, don't fuck up. Stop it. Stop it. You got a great career. You have a child now. You've got an amazing woman. So not late to fucking oh chef's kissing this man but we'll get to that in a second but harper he is accomplished now and he said he used to feel like you know money was everything his career but he's learning more about family and you know trying to be a good father and trying to be a good husband and i love that for him i love that he's pulled back and he's not this messy you know tabloid journalist gossip colonist shock value type of writer anymore but an opportunity does present itself it's not a best man movie or series for that matter, if Harper does not is not presented with an opportunity to fuck his world up and everybody around him. So Harper gets presented with an opportunity to turn his book from the first movie, Unfinished Business, into a feature film. And he's very, he's a little, I'm not going to say very, he's a little apprehensive about it at first because he's like, I don't know, man, like you see what happened last time. But you know, one of the first things he wants to do is run it by all his friends. He wants to run it by Q, Merch, you know, uh, uh, Candace, Robin. I mean, Robin's his wife, but he wants to run it by everybody. And m- more importantly, he wants to run it by Lance because he doesn't want a repeat of what happened. Now, you know, history repeats itself, especially with these third go rounds. A lot of things hark back to that original movie. But, you know, Harper, Harper going to be Harper. You know, I just want him to chill the fuck out, which he's actually doing. He's treading very lightly in this first episode, man, and I like that. So moving on from Harper, we we jumped to Shelby. Now we know Shelby was one of the real housewives or something. She was on Flavor Flav. This all we all found we found this all out in the Best Man Holiday. Shelby's, you know, she's an attention whore, and I'm not saying that to you know talk bad about her. 
even though she is the Wicked Witch character. But um, I love Melissa DeSosa, man. She She's fine as hell. She's, like I said, the Wicked Witch character, the one that you love to hate. But she's got a heart underneath all of that ice, man. Like, you know, when you chisel you know, for, for long enough, maybe years and years worth of chiseling, Shelby's got a, a decent heart, man. It's somewhere in there. And she has these moments scattered throughout the series where she kind of breaks character and she, she, she reveals her heart that she has, but it's very short lived because she goes back to remembering who the fuck she is. And I'm that, I'm that bitch. I'm the shit. So we get to Shelby and she's on this talk show and the guy you know, this messy ass talk show host, he goes right into it. And he's like, um, before we jump into this, let's talk about Quentin Spivey. And she's like, well, me and Quentin been friends forever. You know, that's, that's my guy, you know, we're cool. And he's like, but you know, he's getting married. And she's like, and he was like, well, are you happy for him? And she's like, yeah, I'm happy for him. We've been friends forever. And he's just being messy as shit. You know, Charlemagne, the guy, Wendy Williams type of nonsense, even Noriega drink champs type of nonsense. It's just messy. And he's like, are you really happy for him? You know, just pushing the envelope, trying to trying to pry at the idea that she's jealous. And we find out that Shelby did some shit when, um, you know, when Quentin announced his uh, his 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 engagement and they they roll that clip. Now, the clip was from the reality TV show Shelby was in and she goes off when she gets the phone call that he got engaged and she gets out. She jumps out of the fucking spa chair. She's getting her feet done or something. She jumps out of the spa chair, goes inside of uh, inside of her car and she's driving to wherever Q is at. And she forgets that there's cameras inside of her fucking car because she's on a reality TV show. She jumps out the fucking car, doesn't even close the door, jumps into a cab. Then they got the cameras following her. She runs up on Q in his office and starts throwing shit and fucking him up. And she's like, I hate you. I hate you. And Shelby just looks so humiliated after they roll that clip, man. And fuck that talk show host for even bringing that up, man. I know Shelby, a lot of people want to see her get her comeuppance. But like I said, man, I appreciate the fact that deep down inside that character, there are feelings. And, um, you know, we... We of course we've got Harper, but we got to talk about Robin for a little bit. Uh, Sanaa Lathan's character. First of all, Sanaa Lathan is indeed the same vampire that she was in the first Blade movie because this woman is aging backwards. I'm not sure how old Sanaa Lathan is, but Sanaa Lathan is um, Sanaa Lathan is a national treasure, and I feel like she should be protected at all costs. That woman is just naturally beautiful. She's a great actress, and I I feel like. I want to see way more of her. I'm not going to say she was toned down in the second movie. Um, they gave her a lot more to do because we didn't see a whole lot of her in the first movie. But in the second movie, she was pregnant. So a lot of a lot of things that could have happened were maybe limited because she was with child. But that was a beautiful thing to see uh, her still stressed out, worrying if Harper still had a thing for Jordan and things like that. So um, I hope they pull back on that and they have a better you know, a much stronger bond and much stronger communication in here. But Robin, you know, she's still doing her thing and they're raising, you know, baby Mia. And I forgot to mention that they did name in the last movie, they named their, uh, their daughter, which was a breech baby. They, they wanted it to be a surprise as far as what, if the child was a boy or girl or not, but they, um, you know, they, they named the baby Mia Gwendolyn Stewart. And I feel like for Mia to have passed away and, you know, for her and Harper to have been, I'm sorry to say so close, um, that was, a, that was such a beautiful gesture for them to name their daughter after Mia. But, um, you know, they still, they're still going strong, Robin and Harper. And like I said, I hope that they, they stay strong. I do not want to see them break up because there's a moment in that first movie where I feel like I genuinely believed Harper. Yeah, he wasn't shit for even 
entertaining the idea of fucking Jordan. Um, but I, when, you know, he, he kind of like, I don't remember if he drops to his knees or if he's still standing up, but when he finds out, well, when she finds out that he wanted to sleep with Jordan, she leaves him. She's like, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to figure it out. And he shouts out in front of everybody in the restaurant, I need you. And I feel like that was one of his most vulnerable moments in that movie, man, to tell, you know, his woman that was about to walk clean out of his life for him to tell her that he needed her in front of everybody and put his pride aside. Um, that, that was a great moment for him. So I'm, I'm glad they're still together and I'm glad they have a child together. I'm glad everything went great with the pregnancy. Cause he was a little weary about that. <coughs> and, um, they end up having, you know, lunch with Merchant Candace. So we get introduced back to Merchant Candace, the, the seemingly odd couple from the first movie who ended up having a beautiful family and making things work. I think they have two daughters, if I'm not mistaken, they had their riffs, um, you know, in the second movie, because, um, merch found out, you know, he saw that video of, you know, of Candace back in the day, back in her stripper days, she was, you know, as Shelby said it, she said, I didn't swallow dick for tips, you skank or whatever. She said that shit got crazy because they started fighting and Lance's Lance and Mia's house. That was a great scene, but we get back to merch and Candace. And I love, like I said, progression, black excellence. They are now, you know, they're, they're opening up schools, multiple schools, and they're successful. I love to see that for them because they weren't supposed to be together in that first movie, or maybe they were, but nobody expected merch to fall in love with a a stripper at the bachelor party. And he did. She turned her life around for him. He changed his life for her and, you know, got rid of Shelby's toxic ass. At least she was toxic for him, but their love was and their marriage was tested in that second movie, man. It really was because she took off at some point with the kids and merch he didn't know where they went. And then I remember, again, another vulnerable moment for the male characters that I like. Um, I, when Merch told her, you know, when she showed back up with the kids and she let him know, she was like, listen, I was in college and, you know, I needed money. I was I was fucked up. Like I did what I had to do. And he was like, listen, you and those girls are my whole life. And that was such a heavy scene between them two, man. I love those revelation type of moments where they realize how much they love each other and they just, you know, try to put their pride aside and stuff like that. So Merchant Candace are doing good. There's a little dialogue with the kids. That's a, that's funny as shit because, um, you know, the, the daughter, the oldest daughter of Merchant Candace is very well aware that her mom used to be a stripper and they, you know, they're having a conversation with Harper and, um, and Robin, like the kids aren't even there. And then the oldest daughter's like, is that back when you were a stripper? And then the youngest daughter's like, what's a stripper? And then the youngest daughter hears them say something about sex. And it's like, what's sex? And then the dad, you know, Merch is like, it's kind of like dessert or, or a snack or something. He says and She's like, oh, she's like, I want sex. Sex sounds great. And it's a little weird, but it's funny as shit. It's one of those funny moments that they that they started doing with the kids and in, um, in, uh, in the best man holiday, because I think um, Mia and Lance's kids, August and. I can't remember the kid. They, they give these little funny moments for the kids. Now it is a little, it's a little dark. It, now I will say this. There's not, it, now if that was my daughter saying, you know, what's sex? And then if somebody tells her it's a snack and then she's like, yeah, I want that. Can I, it's like, yeah, it's a little weird. I'm biased, but because it's fiction, you know, we can let it slide, but there's, you know, obviously there's nothing funny about it. A kid that young being curious about it, but the kids are going to learn about it as they get older. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about here. We're not even going to go into that rabbit hole, but Jordan, we jump into it with Jordan and Jordan, Jordan is still very much Jordan. She's ditched. Uh, I can't remember her boyfriend's name from the last one. The, um, the, the white guy that was in that movie, the cave, 
uh, ironically enough, with Morris Chestnut, they both were in the Best Man Holiday together. But the white guy that was in the cave who was um, Cole Hauser's brother, he's the one that survives at the end with that chick with the weird monster eye. But she's dropped him and she admits to Shelby, I think she's talking to at some point, and she says, you know, she wasn't really in love you know, her heart wasn't invested in it. And you could kind of tell she cared about him, but it's almost like he was something to distract her from work. And there was a moment in the second movie where he says to her, you know, Jordan, you know, I love you, but sometimes it's like you don't need me. And she looks at him. She's like, I don't. And that breaks his fucking heart, man. That was a scene that hurt to watch because, you know, while a lot of women may say that they don't need him. It's nice to feel wanted. And, uh, you know, I, I can understand, like, as somebody who's been there in a situation like that, I can understand, like, his sadness and his frustration with how she responded to that. So I don't think he was going to last long anyway, even though the guys took, you know, took him in pretty well and they joked with him and they had that, you know, scene where they were shooting pool in the den. That was a great moment with the guys. But, you know, Jordan's single. She's still burying herself in her work. She's still Miss Workaholic, Miss Independent. She don't need no man and all this other stuff. Now, you have this moment where she's talking with Shelby and, you know, they're, Shelby's talking about how she's single and or how Jordan's single. And, you know, Shelby's not going on a trip, this, that and the other. But, um, you know, you, you, you realize Jordan hasn't changed. But in the same token, I do like that those moments between Jordan and Shelby, because you would never you know, you watch that first movie, you would never think these characters would develop them to be developed enough later on down the line to where we would see Jordan and, and Shelby having a, you know, an adult and just regular conversation. And Shelby's still Shelby. She's going to throw her shade and crack her jokes and shit like that. But I feel like one of the one of the highlights here as far as looking at where our characters are now um, and we'll get to, you know, Quentin and, and, and his new wife, Nicole Ivory Parker. But Lance, Morris Chestnut, what they are doing with the character of Lance this time around is so realistic. It's so relatable. It's it's sad to watch, but it's interesting to watch at the same time. Now, we know Lance lost his wife. You and, and the ladies get a treat here. All this shit did this scene where they first introduced Lance. All this shit did was remind me that I need to get to the fucking gym ASAP because I shit y'all not, man. Um, Merch and Harper are walking up to the, the, the penthouse hotel room or whatever it is. Lance is staying there. Morris Chestnut opens up the door with his robe open like they don't show his like his his business or nothing like that. But the camera is low enough to where like like, come on, man. Like, raise the camera up and stop putting us guys with, with, with dad bods and beer bellies to shame. Because that's exactly what they do. Morris Chestnut's got this scruffy beard. He opens up the door, and Harper kind of looks away, and he's like, Lance, I, I would give you a hug, but he was like, I'm not going to hug you with that thing on the loose. And Lance just casually, you know, wraps up his, his, uh, his robe, and he's like, yeah, well, come on in. My bad. And it's two chicks. It's two chicks in his hotel room just in this lingerie, and Harper and Merch are looking like, what the fuck is going on here i automatically know what it is i'm like oh he out here hoeing he's out here hoeing man and you know he lost his wife now while i say i can relate to this i've never been married i've never had an ex or a wife die on me and like i'm, I'm not relating in that manner but after you like let's say you lose somebody not necessarily to death but you break up you know there are so many instances and i don't mean to drop too many gems here but it's so many instances, man, where men, you know, we, we have bad breakups or bad separations, whatever the case may be. 
and we try to get up under multiple women, man. It's how we cope sometimes. I've been there and I got to be complete. Listen, y'all know I'm going to keep it being. I've been there, man. I'm not going to say what year in particular because I don't want any specific listeners that know me personally to connect these dots. But I remember getting out of a relationship and the breakup was terrible. I mean, awful. And I was out here wilding. So in that case, I can understand why Lance is doing it. He's coping. This is his coping mechanism. He's hurting, though, man. And it's so realistic to see Lance in this light, man. He was that guy. He was the football guy. He was the one that, you know, women are still lusting after him at this resort that they go to. But Lance is going through some shit, man. He's hurting. He is genuinely emotionally, mentally, spiritually hurting. And he's trying. It's almost like when people, you know, go to alcohol or drugs, you know, he's he's like self-medicating, but he's self-medicating with JJ all over the goddamn place. But he tells Harper and Merch, he's like, listen, they're masseuses. And they're like, Lance, you got to get yourself together. Q's getting married. And he's just like, look, man, I can't, I'm trying to get myself together, but I can't go home. I see her face everywhere. Mia's everywhere. She's in the in the clothes. She's in the kids' faces. She's all over the place, man. I'm I'm still going through it. I miss her. And another vulnerable moment, man. But you know, they 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 eventually, you know, get Lance to stop grieving and hoeing for two seconds. And they convince him to come to the resort and shit like that. And then when they get to the resort, it is very much giving me vibes of like, why did I get married too? And shit like that. And I can almost guarantee that after Tyler Perry sees the best man final chapters, he's probably going to shoot for trying to make a why did I get married part three. And I'm actually down for that. That's one of those are his two best movies for me. But we're not going to take the focus off of Mr. Malcolm D. Lee and what he's doing here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so that being said, everybody gets to the resort, the island, wherever the hell they're at. I can't remember exactly where it's at. We get to Quentin and we get to Ziomara. Z- Played by Nicole Ivory Parker. And Nicole Ivory Parker, um, I think Sanaa Lathan or... Is it Sanaa Lathan or Regina Regina Hall that says she glides when she walks? Talking about Nicole Ivory Parker as soon as she's on screen. When Terrence Howard is, you know, walking with her. And they introduce her character. And God damn it, if, if she's not right. Because Nicole Ivory Parker does glide when she walks. She's gorgeous. And I, I feel like... Now, while I say this... You know, I said she's a good fit for Q and all this other stuff. I feel like her character is not who she says she, you know, says she is. She's, oh, I have to be in tune with the universe and I've, I've got sage and I've got crystals and my energy and all this other shit. I know people like this personally that are just so full of shit. You know, every time they stand a broomstick up or touch a bunch of crystals, they are just so enlightened with the universe and the Milky Way and the nether realms. And it's all bullshit. It's all a facade, man. Like, I feel like people should be who they are. And I don't know if Terrence Howard's character is covering this up for her so she can have a certain image. You know, they call her the unicorn in here. That's how everybody knows her. She's on like TV and stuff like that. But, um, you know, she tries to fit in and, you know, leave her mark on the group because she cracks a joke with Harper. She's like, oh, so you think you know me? And then he's all stammering over his words like, no, I didn't mean to to judge you and all this other shit. And she's like, oh, no, I'm just fucking with you, Harper. I'm just fucking with you. And then everybody starts laughing. Now, in that moment, you know, Merch Merch says something. And I, I meant to say this earlier on. Merch says, you know, Harper, look at Harper. He was all shaken up and Harper kind of brushes it off right away. He's like, yeah, I wasn't that shaken up, Merch. Leave it alone. Merch is a dick 
in this first episode. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's giving me vibes of Papa in the Shy. What season five? How and and any people any people out there listening that watch the Shy season five, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Papa was very arrogant. He's just a dickhead throughout the majority of the season, and you kind of he kind of gets a humbling experience, more than one humbling experience. And I feel like characters when they reach that point, they need a lesson in humility, and that is exactly what Merch is doing. And Merch is in his feelings because he wants Harper to give up his best man duties and give them to Merch. And he's like, well, this wouldn't have happened on my watch if I was the best man and you should let me do it. Oh, this would have never happened, Harper, if you would have let me do it. He's just being a dickhead. Like Harper is finally trying to be at peace and he's trying to be very transparent with everybody. Let that man be great. And I feel like it's not going to end well. I'm not going to say nothing's going to happen to Merch, but I feel like it's not going to end well with him. He's going to end up getting his feelings hurt and getting told about himself. But, you know, we get introduced to Ziomara. And like I said, I feel like this woman is not who she appears to be. I, I just don't know. There's a wedding, like a ring ceremony scene where she seems like she's just kind of making it up as she goes. Or maybe she tried to script it and it's not coming out as as, as well as it should. But, um, you know, uh, I, I don't want to like give away everything here because we're already 32 minutes into this shit about to be 33 minutes into it but um you know little tidbits here and there before we get to that ceremony and what happens at the very end of it which i was like oh my god we are right back in the game right back with the drama um one of the scenes and i I gotta say this man i don't know maybe i'm just a freak ass nigga and i gotta put this out there there is a scene that i was so glad to see um and it's not compromised. Like there's a, okay. As far as Harper and Robin, they have sex in the first movie, but they don't show it. You know, um, they celebrate because, you know, uh, Harper wants to get his, or something happened with Harper's book and then they're celebrating, but then they kind of like fade into another scene where they're in the tub with roses. It's a really sexy scene. Um, I don't, I don't know if I want to waste roses to put them in the tub. You know, the water's just going to like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one of these days. I don't know. Maybe I'll get creative or something. Maybe it's giving me ideas right now. Maybe mind y'all business. I don't know. But there's that scene in the first movie. Then they 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 have sex in another scene in the second movie. But it's compromised. Like anybody out there, let's keep it a bean. We're all grown here. If anybody sleeps with their woman when they're pregnant, we know it's it is a very risky situation. You don't want to hurt the baby. So they're kind of like on their side. And it's the moment where everybody's getting it in in the house. And it's really tastefully done. It's nothing too risque, nothing too raunchy. But this time around, you know, um, Harper's having his moment and he's just like telling himself, he's like, yo, it's something about Q that's different. Like Q would be cracking jokes. This motherfucker's walking around with Sage. He's making a joke. Say, well, he's not making a joke. He's dead ass serious. He's like, yo, the Sage, I can still smell the shit in my nose, babe. Like it's something going on. Like I just, I can't put my finger on it. So Sanaa Lathan walks into the room with this. I, I Listen, I don't know what it is, but she's got like this, 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 like this button down shirt that's open in the front and she's got this little two piece number on and god damn it the harper looks at her and he's just like does that she she basically breaks his entire concentration and rightfully so that is what your woman is supposed to do when you're just rambling on and shout out to the ladies out there that still do that for their man y'all are awesome i i listen she walks up to him and he's just like does that outfit taste as good as it looks and she's like why don't you come over here and find out so he walks up to her they start kissing he immediately drops down he don't get his eagle on but he drops down starts eating the box and then the scene goes off after sonali then gives out that one moan and i i literally put both hands in the air and i said yes Harper, that's a win. Even if you just bit the box, that's a win. It's Sanaa Lathan. It's a win in my book. Shouts out to Harper Stewart. You are the man. 
we're going to leave it at that. But I, I had to put that moment in there because I cheered because I'm like, yes, Harper's getting some action that's not compromised. Nobody's walking in. It's just him and her. They don't have to worry about Jordan. They don't have to worry about shit. And I love that shit. Speaking of Jordan, that was a great segue into uh, my next little note here. Jordan is getting pursued by some random dark skinned dude at the resort. Now, Jordan, you know, she's on her phone talking business, but she's also waiting on her food. So the waiter comes up. I'm thinking the waiter's going to hit on her. But he's like, you know, we're out of swordfish. She starts like she becomes almost a Karen at this point. She's like, well, what do you mean we're out of swordfish? It's the it's the it's the you know, the, the dish of the day. How are you out of the dish of the day? So the guy walks up and he's like, listen, ma'am, I think I got the last plate of swordfish. If you want it, you can have it. And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, you're a stranger, blah, blah, blah. I'm not interested. She knows this dude's kicking game. He doesn't give a fuck. This motherfucker's persistent. And this will not be their first encounter in this first episode. So he's telling her, like, you know, you're beautiful. What's your name? This is my name. And so on and so forth. So he tries to offer her the swordfish one more time. He goes over to his table and he's eating it in front of her, you know, eyeing her down. She's low-key interested, I guess, looks-wise, because she doesn't know anything about him. But it's Jordan. She's going to try to act uninterested. She's like, yeah, I'll take the snapper instead, waiter. And then she kind of turns you know, to the side. And you could tell this is not going to be the last encounter that they have. And she does end up running into him again because she's on her phone and she's, um, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's looking into her phone, doing more business. And the guy apparently is a photographer. So he's snapping pictures of her and, you know, they're flirting and they're walking and kind of getting to know each other. And he kind of sizes her up. You know, he, he, he prejudges her, but he's right. You know, he's like, let me guess you're the type of chick that buries herself in her work 24 seven. You sleep next to your phone and you go out on Sunday to brunch with your girlfriends and you consider that a vacation. And she's like, you know, she's got to be an asshole. She's like, well, first of all, I don't sleep with my, I don't sleep with my phone. And he's like, well, let me guess you sleep with your laptop. It's a really, it's a really good exchange, but she calls him chocolate when they part ways and walks off. So, you know, Jordan is a little bit interested and I like it. Jordan, I'm not going to say she needs somebody, but I don't want to see Jordan on an island on the island. You dig what I'm saying? If that makes any sense, I don't want to see her just solo dolo the odd woman out this time around, even though um, I'm not going to say she deserves it. But do y'all out there feel like she may deserve it for doing the dude dirty in the in the second movie and, you know, intruding on Robin's man in the, in the first movie? I don't know. Some y'all out there. Let me know, man. Do y'all think Jordan deserves to be by herself? Do y'all think she deserves love? <coughs> um, you know, at sometime after that or before that, I know it's in the mix somewhere. We do get the classic card game, man. Um, and it takes back to the first movie. Whoa, technical difficulties, people. I am so sorry. My apologies. I don't know what the fuck that was. But um, we get a scene that is very reminiscent, extremely reminiscent, and rightfully so, to that card game in the first movie, just minus, you know, Lance gripping up Q for coming out his mouth wrong and instigating shit. Um gotta love that first movie for that card scene yo that that was such a great scene man because it's the moment where we get all the male characters for the first time in the movie and we get to see how they talk shit we get a deeper glimpse into their personalities and stuff like that i love that sequence so we get um you know we get harper lance merch and q you know sitting there having a drink playing cards it's not as good as that first one but it is uh it's a trip down memory lane it's nostalgia for the diehard fans out there but basically you do get for the most part, the conversation is 
Q explaining how he met uh, Ziomara and how she changed his life and how he doesn't smoke weed anymore and how, you know, he's just a changed man. And, you know, when he says he doesn't smoke weed anymore, everybody's surprised because Merch has got a bag of goodies. He's like, listen, I got some edibles, you know, my plug and da 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 da. And Lance is like, hold on, let me get some of these. And Lance takes some of the edibles. But, um, you know, it, the scene is, it's, listen, Merch is still being a dickhead. And even in this scene, Merch, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Merch. I don't know if Harper's going to punch him in the face. Maybe. I don't know. But if he continues on with this behavior, I'm mad. I'm talking to him like he's a fucking student. If Merch continues on with this behavior, then his ass is definitely, you know, he's in for a rude awakening, man. But you do get the card scene. Lance is losing his goddamn mind, man. This motherfucker's taking edibles. He's skinny dipping. This motherfucker skinny dips in the pool at the resort like he's at Camp Crystal Lake somewhere. I'm talking like he literally takes... And ladies, you get a treat. I could have gone without it, but whatever. Doesn't take me out of it, but ladies get a treat. They get naked as Morris Chestnut. He jumps in the fucking pool and he he comes up in the water and he's like, yo, come on. Y'all getting in the water? What's up? Because it's a whole shit ton of women just eyeing Lance and he's kind of just like... He's almost acting uninterested, but you know he's going to fuck something, plenty of things for that matter, on this island because he's coping, man. He's grieving him. This is the way he grieves. He's taking himself back to the Ebony Humper. You know, that's what Harper codenamed his character in the book, the Ebony fucking Humper. But um, this motherfucker jumps in the pool naked and gets the chicks in there. And mind you, the chick at the receptionist at the front um, at the resort, she's flirting with him too. And they have a, they have a moment, man. They have a moment, but you know, Lance is sad. He sliding, he's skinny dipping all over the goddamn place. Then we get the ring ceremony. Um, and at the ring ceremony, there's this, you know, I said Lance and the receptionist, they have a moment. I can't remember that actress or the character's name, but they have this moment where first you see Lance looking at the moon and it's a beautiful fucking shot, man. It is really a, a really amazing shot. I don't know if it's green screen or not, but it looks great. Um, so Lance is looking at the moon, the sky, and you see his eyes welling up. And I thought that was going to be the moment where he just breaks down and you see, you can see the hurt, man. You can see he is missing his soulmate, man, his centerpiece. And he's just having that moment to himself. And then the receptionist walks up behind him and he kind of like wipes his eyes and they have a moment. And he's like, as you know, my wife would have loved this view. She would have loved it here. And she's like, um, you know, it's no doubt in my mind that you're right. And she's like, you know, it looks like this, but God just takes care of the rest of the, you know, the landscape or whatever she says. And he looks at her when they have a moment, because we got to keep in mind, Lance, you know, God, family football, that's what he's about. And he's a very religious man. You know, when he cheated on me in that first movie, he made Harper, you know, pray with him and read from that book. And they pray in the first movie, you know, when they squash their beef momentarily before the wedding starts. So Lance is still very much that God fearing religious man. And that's cool that they have that bit of continuity, because when she says, you know, God handles the rest or whatever the line is, he stops everything and he stares at her. He stares into her. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Um, and he says, amen to that. And they have that moment. Um, and it makes you think, do we want to see Lance move on? Um, you know, do we want to see him be happy? Does he have to have somebody new to be happy? Is he going to be happy by himself in the end? Is he going to be happy with just his kids? I don't know where they're going with his character. I personally, for me, I don't want to see Lance, um, settle down with this woman, this, this receptionist at the, at the resort. I don't want to see that. Because I feel like we're going to see 
Mia pop up. You know, of course she's she's passed away. She passed away in the second movie, but I feel like maybe Lance will have a dream, or maybe he'll just have like a, a, a vision or something like that where Monica Calhoun will make a cameo appearance. I'm not sure. And I if I'm not mistaken, Malcolm D. Lee hinted at the fact that you know, we may not we may not have seen the last of her character. And if she pops up in a dream sequence, I'm cool with that. It'll be very emotional. You know, you won't have to CG or anything because, um, you know, uh, Monica Calhoun is aging gracefully as well. But, um, you know, we, we've got this awkward moment at the ring ceremony and, you know, they're not giving their vows. Uh, Q and Ziomara, they're not giving their vows, but they're just saying, you know, how why they fell in love with each other and so on and so forth. And she seems like she's just like I said, like just making it up as we go. She's like this man penetrated my soul and I am his world and the universe so fit see it and then like I, I don't know she keeps taking the microphone from him when he tries to talk and then he kisses her and then I don't know if she didn't want the kiss because it's too normal but she grabs you know she grabs him and she brings their heads together they do that when they first meet everybody at the resort and I'm just like what is this lady's deal and even you know Sanaa Lathan and everybody at the table are looking at them you know while they're up there talking and she's talking you know, they're looking at her while she's talking in particular. And I'm just like, what the fuck is like, what's this chick's deal, man? Is she just that deep of a person, that emotional and spiritual of a person that it's awkward and weird? But, um, you know, everybody's there and they're having a ring ceremony where they they're getting, uh, you know, tattoos of the rings before the actual wedding. So, you know, everybody's over there talking. Now, I need to mention this before I wrap this up with the ending prior to you know, them giving their speeches at the ceremony. Harper is actually at the bar talking to Lance. They have a one-on-one -on -one moment before Merch walks up and is being a dick again. But Harper tells Lance to his fucking face, they want to make my book, Unfinished Business, into a movie. I'm just running it by you so there's no surprises. That's what he tells him. And I, and I love that he is, like I said, he's being very transparent with everybody this time around. He's trying to clear his corners and cover his ass, and rightfully so. And when he says that, he's like, Lance is like, oh, that's, that's good, man. That's what's up. Congratulations. And the conversation seems like it's about to carry on, but then that's when they all start talking and Merch walks up like, yeah, so what are you guys talking about over here? Or whatever the fuck is going on. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you see Lance just kind of brush it off, and he's like, yeah, cool, man. And then... You know, when after after Q and Ziamara are, you know, start getting their tattoos and they get seated, Harper's just kind of like, man, I just don't know if Q is making the right decision. Like, it's something about this that is rubbing me the wrong way. And Lance just completely flips on him and he's like, well, you know, I feel like, you know, Q has always been a good judge of character, which you don't, which you don't think he knows what he's doing. You know, you give up, you know, who you are sometimes when you're in love and you wouldn't know nothing about that or whatever. He flips on him. Like he flipped on Jordan at the um, I think there was a tuxedo fitting or something like that in the first movie. It's one of the scenes where he just gets smart with Jordan. And then he's like, yeah, you know, you about to have your little movie made. You about to have your little book made into a movie. And Harper's looking at him like, Lance, I literally just told you over there what, what the deal was. And you were cool with it. And he's like, yo, listen, Harper gracefully bows out because everybody's like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Why? Why is Lance so mad? And. Harper's just like, listen, we don't have to talk about it now. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm out of here. And he just gets mad at Harper and he like slams his hand on the table and walks off. And so now Lathan, she's got her man's back. She's like, baby, like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. And Harper's just, I'm just as confused as he is because I'm like, nigga, 
we just had a conversation man to man. I just let you know what it was. And and you said you were cool with it. And now we're sitting down around an audience and it's a fucking problem. I did not like that for Lance. I don't want Lance to go off the deep end and lose himself, man. He's already, you know, a, 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 a couple pumps away from getting an STD or some shit on this island. He need to slow the fuck down and he needs to do some soul searching, man. I don't know where they're going with his character. But he snaps on Harper and he walks away from the table. And lo and behold, as if we didn't have enough goddamn drama, you know, Q's dad, I can't remember the actor's name. Q's dad comes over and is like, what the fuck is going on over here? And Q is cool about it. He's like, listen, the wedding's in a couple days. We'll move forward from there, man. We ain't gonna have to worry about none of this drama during my wedding. And lo and behold, man, as if it wasn't enough drama at this motherfucking table and in this first episode, Shelby shows up. And Shelby's like, I guess old habits die hard. But when she pops up, the first person she calls, Julian. And she does that shit in every movie. And it's like, oh, my God. Shelby's back on her bullshit. Now, she called Julian because, um, you know, Merch, his name's Julian. But she calls him because he's actually walking off to chase after Candace. Because Candace is like, listen, stop talking about the best man shit. Stop rubbing it in Harper's face. Like, you know, if he wanted you to be the best man, then Q would have chose you. And he says something his wife doesn't like and she walks off. So he goes after her. And that's when we see Shelby has invited her goddamn self to the resort and to the wedding and then the shit goes off because she's like, hello, Quentin. And he's like, oh, my God, like, what the fuck is going on? And it goes off. And with all that being said, people, y'all already know if y'all can't tell by how I'm digging into this and just so amazed by how they knocked this first episode out of the park. Of course, it's a 10 out of 10. And I hope that the rest of them are a 10 out of 10. Now, I, I know we're going like almost an hour into this. I said 30 minutes. I jinxed myself. My apologies, people. But if you're still rocking out with me, man, y'all already know I appreciate y'all. But um, Malcolm D. Lee, big shout out to you, sir. I am going to probably binge. You know, I'm on a shit ton of coffee. It is currently 7.25 p.m. Thursday evening. I feel like I'm going to binge this series tonight. Um, am I going to do a review after every episode? I'm not sure. I want to get through as many as I can this evening because I am hooked on it and it took everything out of me to not automatically jump into you know, episode two right after. I had to let everything soak in. I had to watch it a second time. I had to take some notes and prepare myself and do like 17 takes to try to get this shit off the ground for you guys because I needed to get some type of content out this week. But um, shout out to Malcolm D. Lee and um, Dana Lynn North. Y'all are amazing and black excellence at its finest. This shit is drenched in black excellence. A1 casting, A1 acting. It's like nobody missed a beat nobody uh you know nobody's half-assing it this is a reminder why we fell in love with this story and these characters way back in 1999 man and i to, to see this this story and these characters surviving years on end because this is not easy to do by the way you know you could have easily you know 1999 you wait until 2013 to make a sequel to a movie like that that could have been a one-off black film um it's it's not easy to do man to up the ante and to get people to continue to care about these characters and to want to follow their story it's not an easy thing to do man but he pulls it off effortlessly man and it wasn't easy to go from you know 2013 to uh you know to 2022 and it's it's effortless man like and i know like there could be episodes that drag and there could be filler episodes and episodes i don't like i i think that's unlikely i really think that's unlikely here man um 
this is one of my favorite, you know, we've got, as far as the, you know, black cinema, we've got, you know, movies like Soul Food and, you know, Love Jones and This Christmas. I, you know, I could name a lot of, of black cinema films, but, you know, Soul Food being one of my favorites of all time, The Best Man and its sequel definitely are in that category as well man these movies are classics malcolm d lee dana lynn north you guys are creating another classic man this is a legacy worth of material you guys are leaving behind man and i honestly cannot wait to see how this ends i really hope that there are no episodes in here that get me choked up because after uh, the best man holiday, after that ending or that funeral sequence, that burial sequence, after that, don't play with my emotions no more. All right. Don't play with my emotions. Don't kill nobody off. I need everybody to survive. If Mia pops back up, cool. But don't kill nobody. Don't do that. I don't want Lance to catch something that we can't cure now. And he got to join his wife at some point. I don't want that. My heart won't be able to take that. You know him. Morris Chestnut checking out in Boys in the Hood. That's one thing. Morris Chestnut checking out in The Best Man, The Final Chapters. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. Let's not kill anybody off. Let's 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 keep this shit pure. And let's keep this shit rocking and rolling. 10 out of 10, man. Like I said, shout out to Malcolm uh, D. Lee and <coughs> excuse me, Dana Lynn North. And shouts out to Morris Chestnut, Regina Hall, Sanaa Lathan, um, Harold Perrineau, Melissa DeSosa, Terrence Howard, Neil Long, Tate Diggs, Nicole Ivory Park, everybody involved in the making of this series, man. I'm looking forward to it and I'm jumping on it right after I upload this episode, man. I definitely got to get this out for y'all. But um, y'all already know where to go, man. And if y'all don't, y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, Podbean, and Podcast Addict. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. And shout out to the Facebook movie groups, The Horror Virus and Movie Preview Review. And last, but certainly not least, shout out to the Tudor reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there. Once again, I think I said this in the last episode, but I'll never get tired of saying it. Thank you guys so much. We made it to that 60 fucking k spins man i appreciate y'all for holding me down i appreciate everybody you know i'm not gonna say being on standby but everybody saying you know keep up the good work i remember um god damn it man it was shout outs i was supposed to give oh it was specific shout outs i was supposed to give and i'm so fucking pissed off that i cannot fucking remember um but y'all know sooner than later i will definitely catch up to you know, my notes and shout you guys out, man. But shout out to all the Tudor reviewers, man. Y'all still holding me down. Um, we're, we're, we got to get a better structure. Whether we change things around, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to be like, yeah, for New Year's, we're doing this commentary and doing that. We just have to get a better structure. Um, you know, my girl even said to me, she's like, listen, we got to get you back on track with the show. You know, we got to get you back on a, on a consistent basis, pumping this, you know, this, uh, this content out. And she she knows, man. And big shouts out to her, man. My biggest fucking supporter. But um, she's absolutely right, man. I got, I have I have to get back to one of the things I told her. I said I have to get back to when I was hungry. You know that hungry Rome that was pumping out episodes. I'm not going. I'm not saying like three, four, five, six, seven episodes a day, but maybe that many during the week so I can spread them out like I used to. Um, cause I'm, I'm not gonna lie, man. I miss the consistency. I really do. And I know there's listeners out there that, that definitely, Oh, what are your thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts on that? There's a lot of shit that I'm, I'm trying to get to trust and believe, man. And I'm even, you know, I've got a notebook that I'm 
trying to go into the new year with just doing categories so I don't run out of, oh, I don't know what to do commentary for and I don't know what to review. I'm making my categorized list of shit so I never have to use that excuse, man. I'm trying to stay locked and loaded. Um, got books and books and books of shit that I still need to get to. So it, it'll it'll be good. It'll be a good uh, 2023, people. Trust and believe. And we'll keep it rolling. Content will stay coming out. I appreciate you guys, man. Uh, all the listeners, old, new. Y'all already know. The love and support y'all show me. I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some. So with that being said, people, yours truly, Romero Tudor. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.